Welcome to the Have Company podcast, a podcast that bridges the gap between artists and their community. I'm grateful to share conversations with Have Company artists and residents, friends, and a little bit of my own thoughts on creating work and finding balance. Welcome to the Half Company. I was going to say the Half Company garage sale. <laughs> Welcome to the Half Company podcast. This is Marley and Eliza. Hi. <laughs> Hi, Eliza. Um, we are having a garage sale soon, and we're sitting in the basement filled with things that we will sell at the garage sale. Um, so, Eliza, Eliza, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Eliza. <laughs> Um, so far, so I'm good. an artist, and um, I'm also a teaching artist, and uh, let's see, this is where I list my accomplishments. Yes, list, yes, list your accomplishments. Um, or it's like your elevator pitch. Uh, oh boy. I like artists and teaching artists. I don't I'm hear very many people say that. I'm an artist and a teaching artist, yeah. and I I'm, make things all the time. Um, I have some lines of functional work. I make quilts and ceramics and um, but I mostly think of myself as a sculptor. Oh. Although I also do performance and social practice and video and sound. Would you call this interdisciplinary? Multidisciplinary. Many disciplines. Many. Many. Maybe like endless. Endless disciplinary. There's something that I'm not good at. Like what? I haven't seen it so far. Um, like metal smithing. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, me neither. Print making. Yeah. I don't really do that. Yeah. Skateboarding. Can't do that either. I've never really tried, but I have tried. <laughs> You'd think for a dancer and someone with like decent balance I could figure it out, but nope. But- I'm afraid of getting hurt. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Spiritually and physically. <laughs> um, so, Eliza, it's interesting and it's actually kind of cool to be circling back right now. So the residency season here, let's see, it's September now, ended in June of this past year and really began with you in my house. Was I the first resident? You are the technical first ever have company <laughs> resident. And I then I convinced here. you to move here. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, and let's, let's keep going back. Um, we met through Mary Roethlisberger residency. Um, I was going to say like extraordinaire or something. <laughs> Guru. Guru. Um, I think Mary was just like, you guys should be friends because you also run that's the other thing you didn't mention in your pitch. Oh, yeah. You also run a seasonal residency in Pentwater, Michigan, which is like an hour and a half, hour 15, mm-hmm. north of here, on Lake Michigan, um, called Shared Space Studio, uh, which is a space that you technically run with your mom. Yep. And then you run the residency and co-facilitate it with Mary now. Um, we can dive into that space more maybe later, but... Um, I want to talk about us first. Um, So you, basically the original concept of Have Company was to have it be both a residency and um, a storefront 
But when I moved into the space, I shared it with Jake Brown from Harbinger Leather. And so I didn't have the like living space open in the back. So, it was, but I had the second bedroom in my house. So it was like, why not just come? So Eliza came. Okay, but I think you were getting at the fact that you were the you, the first residency you went to was my residence. Yes, yes. And then I was the first resident at your residence. Oh, did that happen first? Oh my yeah. gosh! Right, duh. Thank you. That wasn't That's what I was getting met. at, but you I'm so glad that you space. are figuring it out. So we met when you when were, I like, arrived, sending me a bunch of messages in all caps. Yes, that sounds... That was a, I did that a lot in 2012. You and Mary were doing that, and then for some reason I thought you guys were at Elsewhere, like, together. Right. We weren't, though. Like we were just far away. mysterious thing. So I met Mary through my friend Jeff Halstead, who runs a roaming artist residency called Cabin Time. So this is, like, the residency web of life. <laughs> um, and Jeff is an incredible artist who used to live in Grand Rapids. We worked together at Marie Katrebs. And then... Um, so yes, then Mary sends me to Eliza. I say to Eliza, I want to come do a residency in Pentwater. I go do a residency in Pentwater, my first artist residency that I ever did, and then Eliza in turn came to me the next summer, 2013. <laughs> yeah. July 2013. I would say uh, Cabin Time and Have Company made me move to Grand Rapids, Michigan, where I live now. Wow. As a homeowner? <clears throat> homeowner. Wow. Um, and you leave a lot though, which I think is, you know, a lot of times on the podcast, we talk about why people choose to live where they live. Um, and as I, and you know, this is a conversation we've been having a lot as I'm, you know, planning to move to a place that you used to live Mm -hmm. and like how, you know, how do we pick where we live is kind of this question that comes up, especially I think for artists and people looking um, to make their, at least a large part of their living off of their work. Um, and part of you leaving a lot is doing artist residencies everywhere. You've done so many. Yes. Um, and I know that for you, part of that is, yeah, maybe, t- cause I think again, a lot of people listening are like, they want to go to artist residencies. You know, I, I mean, uh-huh. I get more emails about the half company residency than I do about anything else that I do, um, or make or whatever. It's like people just, I think really crave that kind of break, um, from, you know, their normal day to day and a place to really dive into their work. Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear about maybe like how you started going to residencies and why you continue Mm -hmm. to go. Um, yeah, I think I am a little bit of an expert on going to residencies, um, like Mary is. Mm -hmm. We both go to a lot of residencies that are not, um, super well established and, uh, not charging a lot of money to Mm -hmm. go to. Mm -hmm. That's kind of our bag. Um, and... The thing that you noted about me being the first resident artist, I think that's something that Mary and I also do, is we, like, pioneer these spaces to Mm -hmm. help develop residencies. Mm -hmm. That's not the first time I've been the resident artist somewhere. I just recently did that out in L.A. um, at an awesome, awesome space called Now Space L.A. Um, But anyways, I went to college... um, I actually studied 
art in high school. I went to um, an arts boarding school called Interlochen World Center for the Arts. Oh my God. <laughs> I've never heard someone say that whole, the whole um, world center. World Center for the Arts. Um, so it was uh, an international boarding school, but I actually lived 25 miles away from campus, so I commuted. Um, so <clears throat> I think that's kind of where I started to have this really big network um, because people would come there from all over, uh-huh. and then when they graduated, they would move to all over, uh-huh. mostly to New York, but usually <laughs> to other places too. Um, and when I graduated, my amazing sculpture instructor out of the blue invited me to teach as an assistant sculpture instructor at the camp. And the camp was really my first residency experience because it's a job but um when you're an assistant you're you're getting paid a hundred dollars a week so you're basically getting a little stipend (laughs) Uh there and then you get room and board Mm. you eat in the cafeteria and um i taught from nine to noon each day and then the rest of the day i could do whatever i wanted sweet um at that time they also gave all the faculty and staff studios in um, a dilapidated radio building so it was really this kind of experience of a residency where you're once again there I think there were something like 20 something faculty and 20 something staff and all the faculty are art teachers from all over the staff are art students assisting the faculty so you're meeting all these people Um, You have time to make artwork every week. One of the faculty or staff give a slide talk, which is mandatory for the whole art department to go to. Um, I had to run open studio nights uh, for students. So I had a fair amount of responsibility, but I also had a lot of freedom. And I did that for three summers. Mm. Um, And then when I was in college, I was getting a BFA in sculpture out in Portland, Oregon, mm. and um, <laughs> and then uh, one, um, she wasn't an instructor, she was a ceramics tech. She was like, hey, do you know about this thing? It's called Artist Residencies. It's really cool. And I was like, that sounds awesome, because I don't want to be in school anymore, and I want to meet people and travel and make artwork. Um, So yeah, I was really set on doing residencies. That was like my five-year plan when I was graduating. Um, And I ended up getting my first residency. I moved, I I went to New York um, out of high school and then I ended up dropping out of school at Pratt and moving to Portland and going to PNCA and then like as soon as I graduated I moved back to New York and I got um, into a residency in um, New Jersey called Peters Valley Craft Center. So as far as I understood it the way that Janine the ceramics tech I was friends with described Mm -hmm. it to me was like um once you get your first residency, it's easier to get more. Mm-hmm. Um, the way that they're structured is like 
any which way. Um, it could be anything. Um, when you're first getting started, you can kind of expect to go to residencies where you have to pay a fee. There are residencies where you don't pay a fee, but you're still going to have um, expenses like Travel. taking time off work, traveling, uh, buying materials. And then there are the coveted residencies <laughs> with stipends. Mm -hmm. So I had this idea of, you know, kind of working my way up that hierarchy, and that was really what I set out to do when I was a wee 23-year-old. How old are you now? 33. <gasps> One decade later. <laughs> um, yeah, I can definitely say as someone who, you know, is re when I'm reviewing applications, there are certain other kind of s similar non-traditional residencies that if someone says they've been to, it's it's almost I don't want to say it's an automatic in but it's like my brain immediately is like especially when I know it's like friends or collaborators that I really trust mm -hmm. um like we've definitely had a you know a handful of cabin time overlap because I really trust Jeff's eye in terms of people's work but also like the human nature of it and I think that's another thing that's interesting is there's you know not only so many different residencies in terms of like length, like some are a month, some are like five days. Mm -hmm. um, I did one with Mary that was a day, and that was maybe like one of the most transformative experiences. You know, sometimes all you need <laughs> is like a couple hours to like really blast through whatever is you know happening, um, and some that are like you're really kind of like alone and working on your stuff, or some where you're you know interacting with others, or you know um, mm -hmm. there's so many different kinds. So. Um, what do you feel like, what do you feel like for you, how do you decide, like, this is the kind of residency I want? Because you've definitely done, like, that whole mix, like, from elsewhere where you're, like, in a, you know, with, surrounded by a lot of people to, you know, residencies where you're, like, the only person. Mm -hmm. How do you feel like you decide what you need in your life at that time? Um, or does it decide for you, maybe? It's like, yeah, yeah. I think... Um, well, I think going to Peter's Valley, like I mentioned, um, was maybe just me, like, thinking, oh, if I get into one residency, I'll get into more. Sure. So I don't need to go to the residency that's right for me. Mm, interesting. But I would disagree with that now. I mean, whenever I talk to artists, I'm like, you know what? Apply for things that suit you you know you don't totally. when you're looking at a residency you're looking at a gallery you're looking at a boutique like look at who they're representing what artists are there and um you know does does your work fit mm -hmm. um side note just looking on residency like I used to go on the um, sculpture center website and look at all their residents mm -hmm. and I just find tons of artists that I loved cool you know like that's a really fun way to if the residency and they usually do has an archive of artists mm -hmm. check it out and you might find a bunch of sweet artists that you've never known of and you might even go ahead and look on their CV and see what other residencies they've been to. Oh shit! Um, That's good. And That's scope good. those out. Yeah. 
So, um, yeah, do your research. Mm-hmm. Like, going to Peter's Valley was, <laughs> it was, I mean, it was good in a, a lot of ways. Um, I think now that I'm all grown up, I'm more selective about things I do. Totally. Um, and I don't just, like, jump at every opportunity. Mm-hmm. That was a space where I was out in a farmhouse in the middle of the woods, and I could walk every day to my ceramic studio through the woods. It was amazing because mm. I just got so much work done. Yeah. And as a ceramicist, you usually, especially living in New York City, um, usually don't have access to a kiln and a space where you can have a bunch of cancerous dust floating around um so that was amazing but it was also weird because I was super isolated um my roommates were two blacksmiths um my studio mate was throwing plates all day and I was making these weird sculptures and there was no one to like give me feedback Mm. but it was also this intensive time where I got to make a bunch of work I had been dreaming of making and didn't have the means to make and then the fact that my studio mate was making functional work caused me to make a little set of functional work and that was the first time I made any functional work I made it as gifts to my family because I was going to see them for Christmas but then Mm -hmm. I ended up keeping them to myself (laughs) and my mom has them now but you know you never know what you know, sometimes you can feel like, oh, I kind of made the wrong choice, but then in hindsight, it led to something that you wouldn't have done otherwise. Sure. Um, but as far as, like, a networking standpoint, that wouldn't be the most valuable space for me to go to because I didn't make any networking connections through that. Sure. It wasn't um, a space that was going to represent me or I was meeting other artists and so yeah sometimes the more isolated residencies are just about hammering down and getting a bunch of things done and then the more social residencies are more about networking and when I was designing shared space the residency program I was thinking about all those things and like all the residencies I'd been to and how I felt like I could do better yeah so let's go there tell us about the residency that you run um well I uh in 2010 I was um I was living in Boise Idaho and I was trying to convince my partner at the time to start an artist residency in the sign shop, sign and fabrication shop that he ran. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like forcing his hand to like sign a grant <laughs> proposal. You're like, this is what I we're doing. I was like feasibility study. Right, right. Um, and I had been doing some hosting in my house and, um, my former collaborative partner and I had gotten this residency space in Boise that was like an entire floor of an office building for three months. So it was huge. So we were inviting other artists to come share it with us. And I had gone to elsewhere um, 
uh, the year before, and that's a residency in North Carolina that is extremely, extremely collaborative, like communal living to the max. Um, so that really influenced um, the way that I wanted to run shared space. And that was another place where I met like a ton of friends. Mm -hmm. Like I've met a ton of friends through working at Interlock and I met a ton mm -hmm. of friends through um, being at elsewhere you know, I didn't make any friends at Peters Valley Craft Center. Mm -hmm. okay. You know, <laughs> so that's that's the thing. You just got really good at ceramics. I just like shredded to impress your friends later. <laughs> I made some cool animations there too. Oh, sweet. Um, but I forgot what I was talking about. What was I talking about? Oh, Boise sign of fabrication. My mom. <laughs> yes, and my mom. So my mom knew that I was trying to start this residency. And um, I was gonna say, some of the people I met elsewhere, like Mary mm -hmm. and Amber Phelps Bondaroff, mm -hmm. were doing things like running a residency in their house. Yes. Amber had started this uh, website, it's still up, it's called Nods, the Network of Domestic Spaces. And um, you can list a residency that's in your house on there. So I really had this sense, like, you know, anything goes. We can, I, I was running a, a residency called Open Armoire that was, like, people could stay in my room, and I had an armoire. Um, Amber had a, a residency called Sulit, which is, like, under the bed because it was the bottom bunk of her bed, and uh, Mary had a residency called Top Bunk, which I attended. Um, I attended both of those residencies. Nice. So, Full bunk. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there was this sense that you could just make a residency. Right. Um, and my mother was um, moving to Pentwater w into my grandmother's house after she passed away. And she wanted to have a space. She had lived in Houston for 16 years and was really involved in being an art patron there and um, wanted to do something in the community. I mean, in hindsight, I really feel like we wanted to uh, do something to honor my grandma's legacy mm -hmm. in Pentwater because mm -hmm. she was just an amazing civil servant involved in so many organizations mm -hmm. and just really active in the community. So, and my mom also has a lot of stuff and wanted to have a studio space. Mm -hmm. So she was, oh, she also really loves me <laughs> and, like, wants me around. Totally. So ever since I moved out of her house when I was 16, she's, like, been, like, sneakily trying to get me to move back in. Right. Um, so she was like, well, why don't you just come here and we'll, we'll start this space together. And it was great because she was offering me a building. We went and looked at buildings together. We were, like looking at all this real estate for sale, um, trying to figure out what we would do. There was um, some really cool options in the area, like an old elementary school. Mm. Um, and we were trying to get the community involved. We had all these ideas that there could be like a commercial kitchen and um, a community garden and like a gym because the town doesn't have a gym sure. or like a fitness center. Yeah. Um, and there's this really amazing space that's already there called the Artisan Center that's a, a workspace, but it's sort of 
they have a rule that you can't sell anything that you make there mm. and the oh. people who teach there are mentors so they're not paid so we wanted to make a space where artists could teach and be paid so the idea was that um, my mom kind of runs the local side of things she's like the face of the studio there um, she knows everyone in town and she worked on um, organizing classes by local artists and then I founded the visiting artist program um, which involved the artist residency and then sometimes we would have visiting artists come and mm -hmm. give talks that weren't necessarily residents mm -hmm. but were guests um, so yeah we launched it in 2011 and uh, Mary Roethlisberger was one of the first summer residents the year you were resident in 2012 mm -hmm. and um, she stayed the entire five weeks of the residency period because residents could pick how long they wanted to stay um, and I love her and I asked her to be my co-facilitator so she came back in 2014 and 2015 and then this year we organized an exhibition of all the past residents work which was awesome thanks yeah. I like the piece you made for it pie feelings oh my the, personal practice video, video? Yeah. yeah I know I should post that on the internet somewhere Mary and I actually cried when we were watching it oh my god that's so beautiful it's really intense I mean it spans <laughs> this whole Eliza is talking about for this retrospective is that the right word retrospective sure. show, show of residents I made like a montage of personal practice videos and yeah I mean it like and as I've been working on this book about personal practice it's really intense to go through to look at the spaces like to look at being in my old house with my you know now ex-partner and to like see the dancing in front of like the painting and like all of these that it really it really like visually chronicles a transition in a way that like journaling or art making for me hasn't in the past so it's an, it's kind of intense to watch but I'm glad I made you cry just kidding. That was not <laughs> I think my it's also like something like eight minutes long and yes, uh, Mary watched the whole thing uh, she doesn't like usually video. Do. <laughs> she doesn't watch yeah. the whole thing she's like I get it <laughs> Wow, that's beautiful. Um, yeah, so when I founded the residency, I was inspired by Elsewhere and um, other programs I'd been to and wanted to have that really, um, that collaborative, maybe not as extreme, but this collaborative um, situation where you were meeting other artists and mm -hmm. overlapping um, so that you were, like the times that people were staying was kind of staggered mm -hmm. so you could meet more people the longer you stayed um, and yeah just kind of curating together a group of people um, I we were talking about people getting into residencies because they've mm -hmm. been to a residency sure. before um, and I really wanted to make sure I had artists there who it was their first residency. Totally. Um, they might have been a really well-established artist, but they'd never done a residency, or sure. they might have been um, really just emerging 
Yeah. <laughs> That's such a tricky I word, emerging. emerging artists. But, um, you know, they might have been right. very young and right. not had that many opportunities, and I wanted to make sure that I had um, a variety of, like, experiences in the mix. Yeah, I have to say that um, while we're on this Mary kick also, Mary is, like, fully responsible for the Half Company podcast. That was her idea. <laughs> it wasn't ever mine, so... I might be good at doing it, but I think that's something that you're both really good at, too, is, like, because when Mary Mary did a residency here the summer of 2014, end of, two, yeah, July 2014, and we, and she, her, her residency was basically making my residency better, that was, like, the whole point of it, um, and, yeah, she was like, you should have a podcast, because there was this question of, like, there's so much attention from the internet on Have Company, but how do I, like, give them these residents? Mm -hmm. And she was like, you should have a podcast, so. Thanks, Mary. Yeah. I love the podcast. <laughs> okay, full disclosure. <laughs> I put, I help Marley put out the podcast. I write the notes with the hyperlinks. So I listen to it, and I write all my notes, and then I edit them. And then I put the music on and the little intro. And thank you, everyone who responded to the survey. Yes, you thank guys you. Are awesome. Yeah, that um, was all Eliza's idea too. So, uh, ever yeah. since I've been doing that, I've listened to all the episodes, and I think it's a really good podcast. I hope I'm Thanks. not boring because the other ones aren't. I think you're. This is really interesting. <laughs> I kind of like forgot we would talk about residency stuff. I was like gonna what talk did about. What you want to talk about? Your quilts, <laughs> or like your art. But your art is being a residency person. It's a lot. I mean, but the we thing should talk is, about. Maybe here's a good thing to mention: when you do a lot of things, you can't do everything you want to do. Just and I'm so like, real. I'm struggling with that right now. <laughs> Let's talk about that. I'm, like, I'm gonna do this. They can I'm look up your this. quilts I'm on the internet. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. Well, I would have to say the quilts, they have, like, a story of their own because yeah, I got really, really, really into making quilts, and I conducted this touring project mm -hmm. that was all about, like, field work and quilts. Um, and then sort of the conclusion of all of that work was, like, making some functional work. And, right. Um, I think it's good to kind of talk about that with, like, being at Have Company, because, um, Have Company and Other Wild and, like, National, like, mm -hmm. spaces that sort of sell functional work made by artists, it's, like, that's the thing, is that my, making my functional work that I'm making to sell... Um, sometimes I get really frustrated because it's taking over my studio time mm. and it also a little yeah. bit like takes over my identity or like yeah. maybe my career as a residency coordinator, mentor, teaching artist takes over my identity as someone who makes like badass sculptures. So, and, and what do we do? It's this just like, this one is painful for me. I think it's good to just like accept who you are in the moment instead of feeling like you lost Something. part of your identity. Like yeah. I have a friend who decided she wasn't going to be an artist 
and then later was like, I want to be an artist again, but, like, I decided I wasn't, and I was like, friend, you're the only one who said you weren't an artist right, anymore, none right. of us thought you weren't, Stopped, right. yeah, like, just because you weren't showing things, you didn't stop making things, and there's a lot of ways to be an artist, and you're fine. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I'll mention our shared bestie, Nikki, who I always joke is the most profound artist I know. And she would probably like never identify as an artist, but the way that she just like sets up a shelf in her bookshelf, you know what I mean? (laughs) Or like the way that she places objects places is like, she's so visionary. I'm feeling when I cry. We both love Nikki so much. She's like so visionary to me. Our little Nikki. Um, okay, so that's, that's a good conversation. Yeah. Calling yourself an artist. Yeah. I think that's something a lot of people struggle with. And I, I have a hard time calling myself a dancer, and that's what I have a college degree in from the University of Michigan. And yet I'm always like, oh, I'm a dancer. <laughs> I, like, can't ma- I like can't say it. Like, that is weird. But like other things, I'm like, oh, yeah, I like run a residency. I have a store. I like invented how to do those things and mm-hmm. asked my friends how to do them. <laughs> have no formal training. I just made the little thingies. Well, maybe the fact that you have formal training makes you feel like you're not practicing in like the quote unquote right way. True. Or That's true. That's real. You know? That's real. Or comparing myself to friends who are yeah. like in high tech dance companies in New York City. I yeah. actually don't think I really do that, but high tech. High tech. That's not why. I, I don't know. They're all they like, like guys. Laser they're, shows. All, they're all like, Marley, this is a high tech. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, um, but yeah, I feel like, I mean, just looking at people's responses to the survey, they're like, we love your podcast, but yeah, also- you should really be conducting this podcast <laughs> since you've read all the survey. They're thing. also like, oh, well, I, I, I know that people really like the podcast because it talks about the backstory yeah, and yeah. like the struggles yeah. and I was thinking about all that actually I was like up really late and up really early oh. like thinking about all that <laughs> and um I think that is like a really common thing that I run into a lot especially working with artists like in a sort of I guess position of power sure um where there's a struggle to talk about your own work. Um, that's something I do with the residents at Shared Space is sit down and talk about their work before they give a presentation of their work. Um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of struggles like, oh, I feel like I'm not this, I'm not that. Um, I've had friends who have made me feel guilty about calling myself an artist mm. um, because it, they think people who call themselves artists are full of themselves and like want to be art stars right and I'm like well dude I make art all the time so there it is there it is you know like I have I went to art school I you know have like received funding for art like Mm -hmm. I don't know how much else I need to do to to call myself an artist or to be comfortable with it and it's not like I'm reaching for fame it's that I have to put my work somewhere because I can't stop making it do you ever get like anxious and frozen and can't work 
I can't imagine you. This well, this is something I've been struggling with lately. Yeah. Is kind of this conversation, and I think moving is bringing up some of it too. But it's like, I keep looking around and being like, do I make a zine? Do I make a dance right now? Do I like, you know, I'm just like, kind of spiraling out where I like can't even decide what to do next, and then feel like my, the fact that I'm running a business is also taking away from my art practice. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so then what happens to me is I just like freeze and don't make anything. Yet people, I think, assume that I'm making so much, which maybe it looks maybe it looks to other people like I make a lot, but I feel like I I'm just like keep getting frozen. What do you do? You ever feel that? Um, or no, because you're I, just always making stuff. Or how do you how do you just make stuff all the time? I if well the thing is is there are other things that hinder me from making stuff sure. like moving right. and yeah. going to work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. And I've also moved like a million D times. It's really disruptive. Yeah. Even just traveling to a residence totally. is really disruptive. Right. Um, so I I wouldn't say that I get in a space where I'm like, oh, I can't make anything. Or like sometimes it's like I physically can't make anything. I don't sure. have the space. But it's more like I get really sad if I can't work on making things. Yeah. So there are a lot of ways that I make things. Like um, right now, I'm trying to rent a studio outside of my house mm. because I want to make sculptures. Yeah. And I don't have enough room because every room in my house is like full of stuff. <laughs> right. I'm like, this room has instruments. Right. And this room has like bins of fabric. <laughs> like right. this room has. Like a drum set. A oh, bunch of butts. Right? This all room has like five dressers full of my clothes. <laughs> this room has all my records. So since I live in a playhouse. Yeah, you do live in a playhouse. And my playhouse is also always under construction. Right. It's hard because Yeah. I I do I did buy a house because I wanted to have a space to make things. Right. But I also knew working on my house would take over a lot of my time. Sure. But now I'm like, oh, I think it's worth it for me to rent a space outside of my house to have a bigger space without all those things going on. Um, now that I have, like, a super cool roommate partner, I can do that. Right. Um, Unfortunately, yeah. And so, yeah, I think I just get really sad and depressed and, like, frustrated and grumpy when I can't be making things. But, yeah, I get that sort of division where I'm like, oh, I really want to finish tiling my shower, but wouldn't it be fun to paint this wall blue? Right. But I also need to make pots, and I feel really guilty that I have this loom with a weaving on it I've never finished in three years. Uh, Oh, also, I just really, really, really want to make a quilt, but there's, like, stuff all over. (laughs) You just literally described my life. Yeah, that happens to me. Where I'm, like, like, looking at this rug on this loom <laughs> right behind Eliza that I, like, started a year and a half ago. And just, like, looking at everything. Oh, yeah. It's twining. Like, I know. Nice yeah. twining. Thank room. you. Thank you. You, I got inspired to get that because you I got know. the little one. That's funny. I really want to finish that. I want to bring that with me to Oakland because in my head I'm a rug maker. I like make rugs. Yeah. I like can't let go of too. this project because I'm like, <laughs> I make rugs. <laughs> that is my calling. Yeah. And I, instead of making it, I'm just like, ah, I can't. 
I think the way that the the only thing that really organizes me is deadlines and how that made me sick. exhibitions. You're so good at that. Um, so oh, exhibitions. I'll be like, ooh, I have a show, and yeah. I like, I'll be like, okay, this is what's gonna happen. Totally. And I, I'm very like responsive to the space yeah. when I'm making a show. So, uh, I have a really good time putting that together and it, and it really motivates me to, to like put a body of work together. And, and uh, like I said, I, I have exhibitions because I, my work has to go somewhere cause I have to make it. Right. And, and like having an exhibition is usually like a driving force for me to sort of complete something. Yeah. And like I'm doing this. Uh, pop-up shop here uh-huh. yeah and oh yeah that's that. <laughs> coming up soon and I've been like well I made all these pots and I made more pots so now I have to glaze the pots but I was gonna make like this and this and this and this like a quilt kit and like right. crocheted baskets and right. like pillows and like all right. these things right. and then I'm like oh it's in a week <laughs> what am I actually gonna make and I think uh that's Maybe the situation's a little more difficult than in an exhibition mm-hmm. space. I'm planning more. I don't know. The other thing I want to say is that everything takes longer than you think it will. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so don't be too hard on yourself when you haven't finished something. Yeah. Um, that's kind of my bag is like setting really unrealistic goals like uh being like these are all the things i have to do this month and it really should be like this year (laughs) or this two years um so that's something i've recognized within the past few years and really worked on and i really enjoy just like letting myself not meet a deadline or like let something go and just decide well i'm not gonna do that or maybe i'll try it next year Yeah, I mean, I think this kind of brings me to the, like, how do you take care of yourself section of the podcast. (laughs) And, like, um, I know Sarah's Many Moons workbook has been a big ally to you this year Mm -hmm. since we got to very luckily take her workshop here in January and, um, and inspired some of your work. So... I think kind of the, it seems it's we're like laughing, but it seems like I'm gonna guess people listening are like, yeah, this is how I work function too. But ba- I think then the question solution question is, how do we not try to fix that and accept mm-hmm. that that's kind of like part of the artist mind? <laughs> um, so yeah, what are some things that you feel like you can do to soften that voice? You just kind of mentioned just like letting it go, like letting something go. Um, I know you just put in a bathtub at your house. <laughs> oh that yeah, you beautifully tiled the whole bathroom. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, when I saw the house, there wasn't a bathtub, and I was like, "Oh, I need a bathtub, so I'll just put one <laughs> so in." But um, yeah, this winter I spent some time um, reading uh, the Moon Book and like lighting candles and being in the tub and writing. Um, I keep thinking about that recently. I keep thinking about my past year. Like, I'm in my house and I'm thinking about the things that I used to do in my house. 
um, maybe because my partner moved in with me recently, so it's a change to not be living alone. I mm-hmm. lived alone in that house for a year, um, and I went through a breakup mm-hmm. and spent some really lonely times. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I think I'm also thinking about that because we're heading into fall, and I'm thinking about how the pace of things is going to change. Um, now I'm just on this like reverie, but uh, self care. Um, it's funny because I was thinking this morning, oh, she's gonna ask me about my routines, and I'm like anti routine. Uh, yeah. Like I, cool. one time I had this job that was the best job ever. I was an assistant for a fashion designer in New York uh-huh. who made children's clothing clothing that was like costumes um and I did all these fun things like it was a great job for me because I was doing different things all the time Mm -hmm. um I was like going through the fashion district and getting buttons and like designing things and boxing up things but I got really sick of it because I um had to ride the subway at the same time every day mm. and like go to the go to Midtown which kind of sucks mm. um every day and just the monotony of having a routine even though I, I think I was only working three or four days a week <laughs> I don't know how people get up and go to work at eight in the morning and do that five days a week because I when I'm driving somewhere I will I find out all the different ways I can drive so that I'm never driving like the same way Whoa. twice like in one day like I'll drive here one route and then drive home a different route yeah because I like interesting hate going the same, same way, way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I and I just sometimes I try I think oh my life will be better if I get mm. up at the same time every day and have tea and like think about something and like, stretch <laughs> and stuff and I And even, like, listening to the podcast, there's all these people you interview who are like, I totally do yoga all the time. And, (laughs) you know, I go in and out of of routines like that, but I just really, for me, I think it's this sort of intense thing where I have to have things be different all the time. Sure. And so I don't end up finding solace in routines as many people do. Um... I do find it's really, I really, really like listening to bird sounds in the morning. That makes me feel really good. I like Actual birds are recorded like a bird sound Actual tape. birds outside okay. of my house, yeah. Um, and just like sleeping in is awesome. Yeah, I did that today. That's a great self-care. Um, taking a bath, like water therapy. I don't take showers very much, actually. <laughs> I didn't have a shower in my house. Now I do. So I'd, like, come to have company to take showers. Um, and I have to go other places to take baths. <laughs> but just, like, this idea of, of water is, like, really therapeutic to me. Like, going swimming, taking a shower, taking a bath, um, being touched by water. And my bed has become this really important place for me in the last year. Mm. Like, just r- being super comfy and being giving myself a nap or like just being able to lay down and have that space um 
so yeah I think that like if you're like me and you don't um stick to routines and you and your life can be frantic like making carving out those spaces like the bathroom or the bed where you know that that's like your relaxy zone and then letting yourself go to it mm-hmm. and I think too um I sometimes I feel like I'm my most powerful self when I'm single mm-hmm. and I love myself the most but I think like being in partnership is really good for me too because it makes me have a time to relax like if I didn't have someone going to bed I'd just like never go to bed or if I didn't have someone who's like hey let's like eat pizza and watch tv yeah then I'd be like I have to be doing all these other things so I feel like making time to just like relax and enjoy that and not be anxious the whole time about things I have to do can be really magical Mm -hmm. and the more I do that for myself the more I'm like wow I'm really enjoying that I'm really enjoying slowing down and um and really enjoying like making time just to have fun with someone or just to do nothing um and like I have been around for a while (laughs) when I was younger I was just shredding so hard all the time yeah um I know people are interested in like Eliza, how do you make money? Mm-hmm. So you can, like, rent all your studios and do all your things and go right. on all your trips. Right. And I've just been, like, such a hustler. Yeah. For 10 years, I was a drawing model. Yeah. Um, I've taught, too. That's been a great yeah. um, gig for me uh, to make money and, like, spread my love of art. Mm-hmm. Um, and... I also work as a caregiver, which is a really, really good way to balance me out. I think being an artist or being a business owner or both, it's all about you all the time. And being a caregiver is just, it's not about you at all. It's all about you doing something for someone else. And in some circumstances, you're just an extension of that person's body. Mm. Um, and so I've really enjoyed... Um, having my side job be a caregiver it's kind of it's been off and on um since mm, 2008 or so that I've been doing that um so yeah that that's another thing that kind of balances me takes me out of my head um I always tell people to watch a documentary oof Um, I want to do that more. That kind of, like... Because then you stop thinking about yourself and all your problems. Yeah, totally. And sometimes you're like, whoa, there's other people out there. Yeah. That have some shit going on. Um, Lock that perspective right in. (laughs) So that's great. I think just, like, touching base with the outside world is so important when we get in our zones where we're, like oh, I have to do this, and I have to do this, and I'm the boss, and I'm the only one holding myself accountable, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, holding hands with people and telling them that you love them and stuff. You're good at that. 
<laughs> That's all good. Oh, also making things. <laughs> Just making things <laughs> makes making me feel good. Yeah. And I think, I think there's a lot, uh, I know you, you're like up on the internet a lot. And everybody is. More than I want to be. I'm Everybody's sure. all yeah. up We're on the We're all internet, up on the internet. And they're all like, look what I made. Yeah. And like, if you want to make a weaving because you're a rug maker in your fantasy. <laughs> My fantasy rug maker life. Um, I also have a fantasy rug maker life. Yeah. But maybe just like making a rug feels good. And that's like a thing you can do for yourself that feels good, and you right. don't have to finish it. Yeah. And it doesn't have to. Or look sell good, it. And you or don't make twenty five of them. Internet. Oof. It's just like the process is for you. It's not for anyone else. Sometimes. I need. I mean, that's basically what my morning. You know, I feel like morning pages. Mm-hmm. Part of the point of them is not just to like dump your thoughts out in the morning, but it's like to make something that is for nothing. Like, you're yeah. making some, you're writing, and it's like, you don't get to publish this, you don't get to show anybody, you don't get mm-hmm. to read it later, you don't get to sell it, and I definitely need more of that in my life, especially turning my dance practice into this thing that I, like, show people every day. Yeah. I, Jenny Williams, who is a resident and wrote the creative process zine, I texted her the other day, it was at night, and I was just, like, super bummed, and I was just like this sucks. I feel really depressed. I don't know what to do. I just keep scrolling my phone. And she was like, how about you dance for 20 minutes and don't show anyone? And I was like, Oh shit. (laughs) And I like did it and felt so much better. And it was this incredible thing that was like, Oh yeah, sometimes I need to just make stuff that has no planned outcome, like no exhibition or deadline or whatever. Because, yeah, similarly with dance, a lot of times I feel like I only make new dance work because I've scheduled a show for myself. Yeah. (laughs) Which is great. I mean, that's, like, great. That's, like, how I do it. But then, separately, I feel like I need to build, like, a a practice of just practicing. Not for anyone. Another thing that has made me feel good in the last year is um, tending plants. Mm. I've never been, like, really good at that or a big gardener. This summer I had my first garden I've ever had, um, and I grew food and ate it, and that was a really amazing experience. And I've kept some house plants, and just I like to talk to them and uh, water them, and I'm not, like, super on top of it. You know, I think little things like that. I can't have a pet. I just can't. Yeah. So having the plants is kind of like having this thing I can take care totally. of. And, you know, in the winter you have green things in your house and it's it's good for you. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it, you mentioned morning pages and I did, you know, read part of The Artist's Way mm-hmm. and read part of Walking in This World. Yeah. And um, that practice really helped me, like, at a time when I was having a really, really hard time. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it helped me because it, at the beginning of that book, she kind of encourages you to talk about your demons and your heroes. Yeah. And just having a place to vent was so important for me because I get in this cycle where I'm afraid of negative emotions. I'm afraid of people who are angry. <laughs> oh, some like... S- thing in the basement just turned on it's like a little demon speaking of demons (laughs) 
Um, I don't like being angry or frustrated. Yeah. So I try to think of ways to constructively work out those feelings. Right. And sometimes you just have to be angry. Um, and so that really gave me a space to vent about things that were hard for me. And I get um, in a negative self-talk loop. Um, so let's say something is making me unhappy, like mm-hmm. uh, I'm in an unhappy partnership. Mm-hmm then I'll just think, well, I'm really bad at being in a partnership, this always happens, um, you know, it's my fault, and I hate myself, and I hate my life, and, like, it's, like, these, anything I'm upset about, like, will loop back to, I hate myself, I hate my life, yeah, and that sounds so, like, bratty to be, like, I hate my life, yeah, that's what I do, but, same thing, and I have, like, the coolest, best life ever, yeah, same, I'm yeah, super we have really lucky. cool lives. Yeah, but I've also <laughs> more documentaries. Yeah, I watch more documentaries. I ha- I've also like for real been through some serious trauma, and I think that that only makes me like more informed about how awesome life is. Yeah. Um, so it gives me perspective, but it also like comes with like fears and anxieties. I'm sure I had fear and anxiety like before I experienced, like, the the major traumas I've experienced. We experienced lots of small traumas. But I think, like, that, like, experiencing trauma and, like, experiencing fear and violence and, like, deep depression, Mm. like, going back to making has always just been the thing I need to do. Like, making work. Yeah. Making whatever artwork comes. Um, I had a period of time... Uh, about two years ago where um, like three really important people in my life died in one year and uh, a super super close friend amazing artist committed suicide and I was just struggling so much and I had to like make this really um, this space for myself like I I asked my partner to move out of our one-bedroom apartment. Mm. <laughs> I took the whole space to myself. I quit my job. I just made quilts. Like, I w- woke up around 9 a.m. every day. I baked for myself. Mm-hmm. Like, I did nice. all these little self-care things. I volunteered. Mm-hmm. I volunteered at a um, place uh, for refugees where a woman runs a quilt making group and I shot and posted all of their quilts for Etsy Um, and I volunteered at a church where old people are just hanging out quilting together (laughs) so I like had these reasons to leave the house plus I was going to therapy twice a week Mm. Um, so it was like I made this space where I gave myself everything I needed and I had the luxury the financial luxury to do so at the time Um, and I felt better and like there's been these times where you know I'm going through something hard and I really do have to work really hard to to come back from it Mm -hmm. and um, (coughs) making things has always been like my salvation like ever since when I was 16 like 
I went through some major trauma and I decided I wanted to be an art therapist and I've never accomplished that goal <laughs> and I've and I've kind of like thought about different ways that I can do mm. what I visualize an art therapist doing like in my life like as a teacher right um I can make that space for my students to have a therapeutic I was just practice. gonna say I was like I feel like you are an art therapist like my my <laughs> practice is therapeutic right right and I if I can like open up other people to having a creative practice that can be therapeutic for totally. them. Totally. Then I'm doing good work. <sighs> okay. <laughs> the last question of the Have Company podcast. I like that. I feel like in a really beautiful way you just interviewed yourself for like an hour. <laughs> <It was> awesome. <laughs> I didn't have to, like, ask you anything. Because you, like, know all the next questions. Like, so you're like, and this is how I make money, and this is how I take care. I'm like, this is beautiful. I I'm just... like, I know all the things. I know, I know all the subjects. It's going to be really funny to make the notes and have to listen to my own voice yeah, you, for, like, an hour. You are going to have to listen to your own voice. Um, the final question of every episode is, what are you excited about? <laughs> could be a book, a movie, a um, thing that you're going to do. I'm excited about being a member of the Fred Meyer Garden. Whoa. Frederick Meyer Frederick. Sculpture Frederick. Garden Horticultural wow. Experience. Wow. Um, I'm going there on Thursday and I'm stoked. I think that's like a new thing. I have many friends in the last few weeks who are like, I just got a Meyer Gardens membership. I'm like, what's happening? Well, it's like the new thing. To my do. partner got it for me in March when it was my birthday, Sweet. and I like never go. Right. <laughs> and so I'm trying to it's go. Trying to go. I get this cool magazine that tells me what's going on, and Whoa. I put all the things on my calendar. And we just went there on Sunday. Um, and then you get first dibs on concert tickets too, right? When you remember. Yeah, you get all kinds of fun things. Yeah. Like the thing I'm going to this Thursday is like a members, members opening for the art prize shows that are coming oh, up. Oh, cool. Um, they always have super good work. Yeah. And they have an yeah. amazing library. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's a cool thing. Cool. Um, let's see. Uh, I'm trying to make more ceramic work and sell more ceramic work. Uh, for me, I don't feel like I do a great job selling online or at craft fairs and mm -hmm, stuff. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to find more stores uh -huh. that would like to carry my work. Uh -huh. If anybody out there... So if you're listening, <laughs> so, sign up. Um, for instance, if we have any listeners in Arkansas um, or Indiana, I'm trying to find more places in the Midwest. We didn't mention all the places I've lived, but I've only lived back in the Midwest for the last two years, so um, I'm really getting settled still and sort of learning more and more about what it means to live in the Midwest, because mm -hmm. um, I've been kind of bi-coastal before that, uh, but I... Yeah, I'm I'm doing this push to to put out my ceramics. You know, it's holiday season coming up, and so I spent a lot of time last night researching, searching around on the internet's for shops, 
and looking at a lot of ceramic artists that I um, admire and like seeing where they sell um, and so yeah that's kind of exciting because sometimes my ceramics practice feels like a drag if um, I guess when I first moved to Grand Rapids was when I really had space to do it again mm -hmm. so I started making a lot of work but I was kind of making things that people wanted sure and it wasn't that fun like I was like I don't want this I'm just making this to sell right and ceramics there's a lot of trial and error and things break and stuff so it can be kind of frustrating there's like a there's failure and I don't like failure <laughs> <laughs> and like making things basically you're you're setting things in stone so right it makes me feel guilty um but uh just making things that are exciting to me and trying out new things and connecting with stores that understand that this is a handmade product right it's not going to be like something made in china just because it's slip cast um and just like embracing that practice more um and feeling like you know what's ahead of me for this season i have these teaching gigs and then I want to see what I can do with this as a business. So that's exciting to me right now. Is it goes back and forth between exciting and daunting. Yeah. Um, I'm about to go up to Pentwater tonight to fire pots and glaze pots and fire pots. Nice. Um, so yeah, that's been exciting. Um, I really like Maria Bamford. I started watching her show on Netflix. What's her show? Uh, Lady Dynamite. Cool. I used to watch the Maria Bamford show on YouTube. Cool. She's really awesome. Um, I'm trying to think of something else. Bird sounds in the morning. Bird sounds again. Bird sounds in the morning. <laughs> Back to bird sounds. That's the most exciting thing to me. We covered a lot of ground here today. <laughs> covered a lot of ground. I'm going to have to find like a good hyperlink to bird sounds in the morning. Yeah. This wow, I think we this might be the longest half company podcast episode ever. We're over an hour, hour and five. My bad. No, it was great, it was beautiful. <laughs> this is like one of the most informative. Like, wow, people just got so much good information. Um, thank you, Eliza. For You're everything. Welcome. For your friendship, for your collaborative spirit. Any last words? Thank you, Marley, <laughs> for making a space. Um, that's just been really amazing for me to be involved in over the last two years. Well, I'm going to go cry now. <laughs> just, kidding. <laughs> just kidding. I'm going to go make stuff now. I'm going <laughs> to channel my pain and happiness into making. I'm so inspired. I'm like, literally, I'm like, I'm going to finish that rug right now. I'm like, get ready, world. The next po Instagram post is just me with the room surrounded by rugs. And then I'm going to text you later and be like, did you finish it? <laughs> yeah, deadlines. <laughs> Give me some deadlines. Okay, thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.